Welcome to News Kids. I'm Rose. And I'm Zara. And together we're presenting this weekly podcast about what's going on in our world today. Each week we cover top stories across world news, politics, science, technology, entertainment and arts. This week we're talking about the very sad deaths of 39 people in a refrigerated lorry in England. We're updating you on Brexit, why the US is leaving the Paris Climate Agreement, the latest news on the Trump impeachment inquiry, why the clocks are changing in England, and lastly, about Uluru in Australia, formerly known as Ayers Rock, which has now been closed to the public forever. Hi, it's Rose here. Our first story this week is a very sad one. On 23rd October, the bodies of 39 people were found in a refrigerated lorry in Essex in the southeast of England. The police said they had received the first reports about bodies found in a lorry during Wednesday night. At the moment, we do not know who the people were and why they came to be in the lorry. Initially, Essex police said they thought all 39 victims, 8 women and 31 men, were Chinese nationals. However, now the media has been reporting that the major majority of those on board may have been from Vietnam. All of the dead will undergo a coroner's examination to establish the cause of death. Police will then attempt to identify each person, but have warned this will be a substantial operation and they cannot estimate how long it will take. It seems possible that this is a tragic example of either people smuggling or human trafficking. So, what do both of these mean? They both involve the movement of people, but there are some important differences. Human trafficking is where people are illegally transported from one country or area to another, where they are made to work and have no freedom. People smuggling is a service that a person might ask for and involves someone paying money to be brought into the country secretly and illegally. Once the payment and border crossing is complete, the agreement ends and if the person arrives successfully, then they are free to make other choices about where to live or work. The family of one Vietnamese woman found Hai Tram Mai, thought to be among the victims, said they had remortgaged their home in order to pay £30,000 to smugglers. In May last year, the National Crime Agency warned of the increase in criminals putting migrants, including children, into refrigerated containers and of the risks to life disposers. Smugglers are turning to refrigerated trucks because it makes it very hard for border officials and police to find the victims as their scanners, heat monitors and carbon dioxide monitors would not work on the contents of a refrigerated truck. Police have since arrested four people, including the lorry driver, on suspicion of human trafficking and manslaughter. The National Crime Agency is working to establish if organised crime groups were involved. I feel really sorry for the people that died and especially because they just wanted a better life but they should have some common sense because they know it's a refrigerated lorry but of course they didn't know that they were going to be used to death. What if the smugglers lied? What if they made a promise like okay we're going to turn the refrigerator on for like half an hour and we're going to turn it back off again so you won't freeze to death. What if they lied?
because they wanted to keep their thousands of pounds that people paid them to get across. If they know that the smugglers might have actually lied to them, maybe they wouldn't have done it. Like, if they could see the future or something, they would know they would freeze to death. And they wouldn't go in a refrigerated lorry and say, okay, I'm not going to hide in a refrigerated lorry. Is there a plan B? We just don't know enough information of what happened. I do hope we get more, but it is really sad. I know, but if there's anyone who caused this tragic death, it's going to be the smugglers. Someone is responsible for this, and they've already arrested four people. Let's hope whoever is responsible is brought to justice. Hello, it's Zara here with a Brexit update. This week, Boris Johnson brought in legislation called the Withdrawal Agreement Brill, which set out the terms to implement the deal that he struck with the EU leaders and earlier this week, MPs voted in favour of the Withdrawal Agreement Bill. This was the first time that MPs in the House of Commons have approved a Brexit deal. However, they did not agree to Mr Johnson's plans to get it passed in just three days as MPs felt that they needed to have more time to discuss such an important law. Boris Johnson said that he would pause the progress of his withdrawal agreement bill while he waited to hear back from the EU. The EU leaders have now agreed in principle to extend Brexit until the 31st of January 2020. This is a flextension, which means that the UK can leave before the deadline if a deal is approved by Parliament. The other important update from this week is that the Prime Minister wants to hold a general election on the 12th of December. A general election isn't meant to happen until 2022, but Boris Johnson wants to hold one earlier to try and bring back the Conservative Party's majority in the House of Commons and so give the party more power. The Prime Minister thinks that the only way that the country can move forward is with a general election to make it easier to deliver Brexit. MPs will vote on whether or not they agree to an early general election. Hi, it's Rez here again. This week, President Trump confirmed the US will definitely withdraw from the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement. He made the announcement at an energy conference where he said that the Paris Agreement was a bad deal and that his policies favouring fossil fuels had made the US an energy superpower. The Paris Agreement brought together 195 nations in the fight against climate change. It had four major elements to keep global temperatures well below 2 degrees above pre-industrial times and endeavour to limit and even more to 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial times. To limit the amount of greenhouse gases emitted by human activity to the same levels that trees, soil and oceans can absorb naturally, beginning at some point between 2050 and 2100. To review each country's contribution to cutting emissions every five years so they scale up to the challenge. And lastly, 
for rich countries to help poorer nations by providing finance to help them adapt to climate change and switch to renewable energy. Specifically, the agreement committed the US to cutting greenhouse gases up to 28% by 2025, based on 2005 levels. President Trump said that if he couldn't improve that deal, he'd pull out. But according to the BBC, diplomatic sources said there's been no major effort at renegotiation. Mr Trump said he wants the US to become an energy superpower and he's trying to get rid of new laws aiming to reduce the environmental impact of gas, oil and coal. The earliest President Trump can formally start the process of withdrawing the US from the Paris Accord is 4th November. It will take effect a year later, the day after the 2020 US presidential election. Assuming that Mr Trump is re-elected, positively, other countries in the Paris Agreement have not been swayed in their efforts to focus on climate change as a result of the US plan's departure. However, it still remains to be seen whether the Paris Agreement can deliver what it was intended to without the support of the US. It's a shame that the US has decided to leave the Paris Agreement. It was such a big country. Well, I think President Trump is responsible. He's the leader of the US. He leads his country his own way. Well, in another news story about climate change, a new species of beetle was discovered last week and was named after Greta Thunberg. I did know that. And also, do you know what it's called? Actually, I do. It's called Neloptides Gretai. Neloptides Gretai. You're very good at pronunciation. I do wonder why they actually named it after Greta. Maybe because she's made the newspaper so much? A scientist said he chose the name because he was immensely impressed by Greta's environmental campaigning. I'd sure like a beetle named after me. Rose. If you wanted an animal to be named after you, which one would it be? Does it have to be real? No. I mean, yes, it does. Okay, then a magical dolphin called Rosefin. <laughs> if I would have to choose, I would have a lion. Because I just think lions are king of the jungle. And if a lion was named after me, then my name would be very popular. Well, I've got a hurricane named after me. It's going to be in 2020, I think. And it's called Hurricane Rose. Well, that's really interesting, Rose. I've got two things that are named after me. Zara, just because everyone knows Zara the shop. And Zara Strawberries. What's the strawberries called? British Zara Strawberries. And they are sweet, just like me. And I've got lots of roses named after me in England. Hello, it's Zara again with an update on the Trump impeachment inquiry. As you know from a previous episode of News Kids, the US President Donald Trump is the subject of an impeachment inquiry as there are claims that he asked a foreign country, Ukraine, to help to damage a rival politician. Well, this week has been quite dramatic. Certain members of Mr Trump's party, the Republicans, pushed their way into the secure meeting room known as a sensitive compartmented information facility where the impeachment inquiry was being held. The Republican protesters refused to leave the room for a number of hours and the protests delayed the testimony of one of 
the witnesses from Ukraine. The inquiry is being led by a Democrat called Adam Schiff and is being run by the House Intelligence, Oversight and Foreign Affairs Committees. Republicans say that they barged in because Democrats were conducting the impeachment inquiry in secret and every member of Congress should be allowed into the room, as well as the press. The Democrats argue that it is common for the initial stages of such an inquiry to be conducted in private to stop witnesses from talking to each other and coordinating their testimony. More than 40 Republicans are also members of the committees running the inquiry and are permitted to take part in the hearings. The Republicans say that they are fed up of not being part of the inquiry and seeing what exactly is going on. This other significant thing that has happened this week is that the acting ambassador to Ukraine, Bill Taylor, has testified that Mr Trump only agreed to give military aid to Ukraine if Ukraine promised that Mr Trump's rival, Joe Biden, would be investigated. President Trump's representatives continue to deny that he has done anything wrong. Let's see. We will keep you updated on News Kids once the impeachment inquiry concludes. Hi, it's Rose here. This weekend marks the end of the British summertime when the clocks move back by one hour, so everyone in the UK gets an extra hour's sleep. So, why do the clocks need to change? BBC Newsround has a really helpful explanation. An American politician and inventor called Benjamin Franklin first came up with the idea while in Paris in 1784. He suggested that if people got up earlier, when it was lighter, then it would save on candles. But the idea arrived in the UK after co-placing as Chris Martin's great-great-grandfather, a builder called William Willett, thought it was a good idea too. In 1907, he published a leaflet called The Waste of Daylight, encouraging people to get out of bed earlier. William Willett enjoyed playing golf and didn't like it when his games would be cut short because the sun went down and there wasn't enough light to carry on playing. Willett spent his life trying to convince people that it was a good idea, but it was only introduced in the UK in 1916, a year after he died. Now, the UK's clocks always go forward by one hour on the last Sunday in March, marking the start of British summertime, and go back by one hour on the last Sunday in October. However, not everyone is keen on the idea of moving clocks forward and back during the year. In fact, earlier this year, the European Transport Committee voted for the end of daylight saving time for EU countries. It hasn't been agreed with the European Parliament yet, but if it becomes a law, the clocks could stop changing for the summer in 2021. But with the UK about to leave the EU, it's hard to know how this would work in practice. Hello again, this is Zara. Last week, on Friday the 25th of October, it was the last time that people climbed Australia's Uluru, which some of you may know as Ayers Rock, which is what it used to be called. Uluru is a very famous Australian landmark and is located in the country's Northern Territory. Most tourists visit Uluru from Alice Springs, which is about a five and a half hour drive away. 
It's a monolith of red sandstone and it is such a rare site that UNESCO has placed it on its World Heritage Site list. It is famous for its ability to change colour based on the time of year and the time of day. The origins of Uluru date back 500 million years ago, which means that it is 250 million years older than the dinosaurs. For the local Anangu Aboriginal people, it is a sacred place and a place of great power. They believe that it is the centre of the universe. The decision to ban climbing Uluru was taken because of the spiritual significance of the site, the Anangu people, and also for safety and environmental reasons. The Anangu people have been asking tourists not to climb it for a very long time as it is sacred to them. There are lots of signs at the base of Uluru that ask tourists not to climb it, but tourists have continued to climb. Uluru is 348 metres high and the climb is very steep and can be slippery too. The site has been very busy in recent weeks as people have been rushing to do the climb before the ban. The climbing ban is effective as of the 26th of October 2019 and anyone caught breaking the ban and trying to climb after this date will be heavily fined. That's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed our show and thank you for listening.